my parents met in New York, and my mom fell in love, dropped out of college to follow him around. I think they moved in together, and one day he showed up and said, I'm enlisting in the military, and she was pretty shocked by that lack of consideration for her and their situation ready. And she decided that she wanted to go with him wherever he was going to go, and so she started the travel and became part of this lifestyle and we ended up having multiple kids in all different countries. And that lasted for until I was three months old is when they split, and we came back to the States to live with her parents. And I think he stayed. I had two older siblings, and he came in and out of our lives, and a little bit more often when we were younger. He remarried when I was two, and he's currently still with this woman, and they had another child. But I I didn't realize that that was a strange situation, and I just kind of looked at my siblings to see do we like this man, do we not? And whatever their reaction to this guy coming to pick us up, maybe like twice a year, I would kind of restate the story of whatever they thought about him and kind of did that, but definitely had a really close connection with my mom and for some reason was pretty oblivious to the fact that he wasn't around. As we started to get a little older, they had visited him for different trips and the story started to come back in weird ways of like him giving my brother beer when he was really little and you know watching some weird stuff talking kind of inappropriately about sex for like an 11 year old you know and uh, I remember I really liked my stepmom at the time because she would braid my hair and she could relate to me but I started to notice this gap in how she was becoming more abusive to my older siblings. He was always just very cold, so I was drawn to her. And just as we got older, the more stuff came out. Um, my sister decided at one point to go live with him when there was a traumatic situation in our home. And that just ended up being very detrimental to the situation where they were invading her privacy and not letting her speak to my mother, you know, starting to do very manipulated and kind of controlling things. So that blew up and she came back home probably after eight months or something. It was very, it was evident when it was like father-daughter dances, different social events that were about bringing someone forward, which definitely called to the surface the situation. Other than that, it was a lot about developing this slightly unfortunate but codependent relationship with my mother of watching her struggle and, you know, people dropping powdered milk off at our house or trying to figure out why we didn't really have uh, what we needed. All of us stayed in one room at a time. I was pretty happy, though, when I was little, just enjoying the fact that my whole family was around, not really understanding why. Why were we, like, pushed into circumstances like this, especially financially? So in some ways she tried to hide the situation that we were in, but I have always just been really sensitive to 
other people's needs. And I think a lot of that came out of being the third child coming into an already existing situation that was very complicated. So I always knew to sense the space, what's her mood, you know, kind of be a spectator in a sense. And now in my adulthood, trying to claim a voice in these situations and to change that perspective a little bit. I think it was tough because watching her do what she did, I started to develop this sense of I should be able to do it all on my own and that I will have to forever do it on my own. So that kind of created a a mindset of yeah, just watching her getting up, getting ready, getting all three of us off to different schools and then she would go to work. If one of us was sick, she'd have to pick up this and then, you know, coordinating sports or drop-offs. And by the time we got home, she cooked dinner. It was usually terrible. <laughs> and uh, and then she would go back to work at night a lot of times after we went to sleep. So I realized I was not always watched, you know, or just put in many situations of daycares, of other teachers, of acquaintances' houses, of having to find rides, of having to create this forced independence at a really early age because it just got too much to balance everything in the day for her. I'm just noticing now in the last year in therapy and such, I'm noticing some situations in which she is potentially has this personality disorder that makes her unable to regulate her emotions internally. So they create explosive re- relationships and and as soon as people get close, one day she'd love them, the next day she'd hate them. Kind of a volatile experience where um, as much as she was so sweet and touchy and lovey and attentive, there was this other side of just explosive anger and like venom which then has very much created boundaries for myself of not finding it acceptable to yell and picking an environment that is calm and hopefully predictable because I think that was one of the biggest issues of the lack of stability of not knowing, first of all, her emotions, not knowing about food, about our house, about, you know, I was just always anxious and I think all three of us have deep-rooted issues with anxiety and are dealing with it in very different ways. And in some ways, I'm not sure if some of my mental and emotional development is in reaction to who she was in our house and in our space. And I did find out that I mean, he's, he's smart, but he is emotionally incompetent and is reserved I know I got physical attributes of his, so that was it was interesting where my, you know, I'm way taller than my mom, <laughs> like close to almost a foot, and uh, different skin color. We got the same color eyes, but I've just noticed a little bit more of how she's related me a little bit more to her mother and my sister to my father, um, which then creates this weird dynamic of when sometimes she spirals into these things, I start to feel like she is now having a conversation with her issues towards her mother or issues towards my father. 
and uh, no longer about me, but what I represent. But it, it doesn't surprise me that because of who my father was, being so emotionally shut off, that she would rise to balance that and be so overly emotional to kind of create that balance in the relationship. And it seems like it's just continued. Sometimes when, you know, maybe a birthday comes around or when we do get contact or my sister tried a little harder than all of us to stay in connection with him. But I I don't think my brother likes to address it as much. My sister is in the field of psychology and does a lot of work with that. And I know her upbringing for sure led her into these situations and handling traumatic events with teenagers and because our home became very unstable and I think it's fascinating talking to the older one you know being because that is a very different side of the scale and I guess we me and my sister got asked what color we would describe our mother as when we were younger um, in two separate spaces and I said yellow because she's like the sun and she's always happy and my sister said black because she is mean and sad and to have those two perspectives existing in the same house in the same time I think was really telling of of where we were positioned and that she did have to pick up a lot of the slack and watch these things and had a relationship with my father before he left um I think for me, I've always been thinking about how it's affected other people, and now it's my time to figure out how it's affected me, because I would always watch this in my brother. Not having a male figure around, and also curious as to why my dad especially has cut him out. I think it's for the longest that he's talked to him, and that just breaks my heart that he didn't have someone looking out for him. Actually, the first time I was alone with him was when I was 15, to ever really have a more mature conversation with him. But there are times like that where it seemed like we got along and then I'd leave and then never a phone call, never called back, would be no birthday cards, no nothing. He didn't pay child support for pretty much our entire life until I was maybe 17. He paid for a year until I turned 18 and that day stopped. He's currently a doctor and it's just living a different lifestyle. And it absolutely impacted our situation being my mother, single parent with three kids. She was really good about not wanting to impose her judgments on us and so I really couldn't recall until I got older and started asking more probing questions some of her honest beliefs about who he was as a man or as a father as a husband but for the most part she wanted to see us make up our own mind and kind of create our own relationship with him which I appreciate I remember not being sure if I should call him dad or his real name and because I had no emotional attachment to him. I was happy to have someone potentially take interest, but majority of the time he wasn't interested. I really got good at being in the present, and I think my mom did a great job of 
creating a sense of community around our home in um, close relationship with my grandfather, with my brother, with friends. And ultimately, I think with having that lack, I did turn to the church and was able to kind of find some solace in a community that was supportive of whatever situation. And that lasted for a chunk of my childhood. I met him in, uh, yeah, I flew to New York and we had just decided to spend some time together and I really couldn't remember a conversation. I remember we did a couple things and he has been always so cheap and so he took me on a boat ride and like we went to a museum and I couldn't believe that he was paying for it and I don't really remember much of this conversation although around the time in which I I got in contact with him when I uh, moved closer to where he was, thinking that maybe without the distance that we could start an adult relationship. So I took the train out there a couple times, and it seemed like it was a fine experience until I um, there was issues with loans and with money, you know. And I asked if he would co-sign, and um, and he said no. And I said, well, can I ask why? And he said, well, if you die, then it's going to be an issue. And <laughs> that response was pretty telling in itself for me. And uh, that that's where he would first go. A couple months later, I remember I needed like $250 to cover rent in my first year here. And uh I emailed him, got an email back from my stepmother because she would always check his emails and so to connect with him was a very difficult thing. And she said some pretty nasty stuff. I told him, again, you know, I thank you for what you've done, but you know, this is the situation. If we, I can't talk about finances then, if it's gonna turn into this, if we want to continue to have any type of relationship. And that week, he was supposed to pick me up to take me to see my little sister's ice skating, and she was in town. Because of that conversation and asking of that money, he never showed up and has never talked to me since, and it's been three years. So. That's one of the disservices, I feel like, of being the third, because not ever knowing the real connections to when this happens, this is why this happens. So I didn't understand when larger things were going on where like my sister may have asked my mom one question and my mom flies off the handle. So then in my head, as like a seven year old, I'd be like, okay, don't ever ask mom where this is. Like, and that's my logic and where I didn't realize there was a lot behind what was happening between them. And uh, there was actually a point where she started to become involved with the gang and um, which put jeopardy on my safety and the safety of our family. Um, she was sexually assaulted, which and brought home by the cops, which then started this whole down spiral of um, of our home. And I didn't know what really happened for a long time. Um, I would try and wake her up, and they would just say, "She's sleeping. Don't bother." But I remember my dad came and visited when she was on suicide watch. 
from the hospital. And again, I had no idea why we were in the hospital. So a lot about this time has been putting the pieces back together, figuring out what these pivotal nights in my memory are and why they happened and in what order. Um, I'm still working on that. Fuck my dad, I just love my siblings. I just hope that this shit went down. And, uh, and my mom just didn't know how to handle it and so just continued on. And uh, so then she moved to Africa. <laughs> so <laughs> again, I was like, why is she leaving? <laughs> so she did that and then I came back. Yeah, she moved there for a year with uh, friends of our family. And it, it seemed like it was going to be good, but then all the quiet. I think it was really hard for her flashbacks and just that much quiet. Um, but she did work with AIDS orphans and, um, and did that close to a year, I think. She had her 17th birthday there or something. So he has a long history, uh, he's a sexaholic too, so he's got a long history of cheating on, at least on my mother, and one of the biggest ones was when we went to go visit his mother and family. He decided he didn't want to come with us, and I was just born, so my mom took us from Germany to the States to see his family, and when we got back, he was acting strange, and it was because he had just he had caught something while fooling around with a woman in the woods and that's why he wasn't there to show his newborn daughter to his mother and they split after that the most heart-wrenching thing for me is that it was my father's decision that my mother said please don't I will never talk about my feelings again if you just won't leave me and to hear that level of being that desperate in a sense is really tough for me to see her as a powerful figure to I mean I know she was so overwhelmed just had a child but to completely express that I will never talk about my feelings again in order to keep him and then he dumped her it's just kind of intense but I also found out when I was, I think, in fourth grade or third grade that I had uh, another sister, that he, the ages were a little skewy, <laughs> I guess screwy with when my half-sister was born and how old she is, and so those dates overlap, but I met her, I met her once, and she was very sweet, just we were a lot younger, um, and I recently found out that her adopted father, the man who met her mother and raised her, she came home one day and found him, and he had committed suicide, and he had hung himself, and she had just turned 18, and she decided to call my father and just to ask some questions, and the first thing is his response was, was it she wanted me to get back with her mother? And again, those kind of <laughs> initial reactions to these situations, I think were very telling for me too. 
start compiling what I could make up of his fears or the way he perceives life or information. Now that I got older, I was curious. He never, I can't remember him ever picking me up, having me sit on his lap, having me do any of these physically interactive things with him. And then I'm curious too if this goes back into his disorder and not being able to differentiate like sex and friendship kind of thing. And maybe his own concerns about understanding sexuality or not understanding in a sense as to what does it mean to interact with a young woman or a young girl. Uh, And I don't know if that's his way of guarding or not knowing where the limits are. So he just never touched me. But I don't remember much. (laughs) Like he was just, he was not a strong presence in a room. He just kind of was there, would laugh. I remember he has a big nose. (laughs) Yeah, my sister and I actually started to speculate. We speculated with her therapist too because they have been going on this long journey about what, you know, what is the deal? Where is this? A lot of the untold stories and feelings of my mother and not knowing how all this blew up as well as my brother does not really look like me and my sister. And so when we started to have these dialogues about the potential of, you know, in the 80s, in the military, that there was a lot of swinging going on. And knowing my dad's, yeah, sex addiction, as well as my mom's neediness to please him, I wouldn't put it past them to have done something like that, as well as so, you know, the total speculation, have no clue, but there was a thought that maybe my brother was not his and he knew that and was easily able to disconnect and pretty much say fuck you um, to him, even as a little kid. He would just ask him, do you ever stop talking? Do you like, and we'd only be with him for a week, you know? So I'm not sure about that. And I also know more about his history in his family life and that, you know, understanding that my grandfather was abusive and molested my aunt and potentially another one of my closer family members. And also being the ethnicity that he is there was a lot of pressure or at least put on he was the oldest son and so he could do no wrong so to this day my grandmother still has told me that it's my fault for what's happened between me and my dad's relationship and that even when she found out that he had slept with someone else all of the stuff had blown up and still she had told my mother that it was her issue you know (laughs) So this set up a really messed up dynamic as well as I think this entitled sense of superiority in his head because his family has just projected that. Um, And he doesn't talk to anybody in his family really. His sister suffered severe brain damage and now she can't live alone and I don't think he's even visited her or will help her with money. My grandmother is almost dying and he's not supporting them. He's cut off my little sister from all of our cousins and as much as I think the woman he chose is very controlling. So, and I know she didn't like these people either. 
I grew up in a part of town that, you know, close to a border town um, to Mexico and still having his last name when my mother was not, it created a whirl of issues that actually all three of us, because of my brother looking more white with a Hispanic last name, my sister and I having a Hispanic last name in a white community where that was just not okay. And that's where she turned to gangs because no one would kind of accept her because she was one foot in either side as well as I was of, I didn't fit in with them and I didn't fit in with them. So where did that put me? And I remember, I remember having a crush on a kid in junior high and, and he just said, ew, she looks like my maid. And that's, I think, more of my reminders of his lack of presence, but being fucked over from like the name, my skin color, these things that had been another issue of being growing up in that space, as well as not wanting to bring people back to our home because it was so small or so chaotic. It, I think those were the parts where it started to linger, where I would hear that name, I'd be made fun of for that name, and he wasn't here. So I didn't even get the benefit <laughs> from what he had brought with me. Now I totally own it, and I love it, and I may not ever change it if I even did get married. Yeah, there was a time where I was even going to try and take my stepdad's name because I just didn't want any more affiliation with my father. And he turned out to be really bad, which is unfortunate, but yeah, so... I've always appreciated that my dad left because I felt that the emotional damage that I would go through by him being present but not there would be so much more detrimental to who I am. And so the fact that he moved out of my life, I am grateful for.